So I think when I was a kid and my family would go on vacation, when we'd get to whatever hotel we were going to stay at, the things that I most wanted to know, there was two things that I wanted to know. Number one, is there a swimming pool here? Because every kid wants to know, is there a swimming pool at this hotel? And then the second thing I wanted to know is, where is the vending machine? My priorities were different back then. I didn't care if there were like bugs in the room and we had to walk past the police crime scene tape to get there. If you have a swimming pool and a vending machine, this is going to be a good vacation. You know what I mean? Especially the vending machine. Mom and dad, does this place have Reese's peanut butter cups? Because that is going to define the quality of this vacation. I think back to when you're a kid. You're standing in front of the vending machine. There's nothing like it. You've got a handful of change and it's like there are so many options. You can have candy, you can have cookies, you can get some chips, you can get one of each and do the sweet and salty thing, right? Vending machines offer so much. Even if you're one of those wackos that gets chapstick or a comb out of a vending machine, why do they have that bottom row? We don't want any of that stuff. These are the things I valued when I was a kid. I think for a lot of my life, I've treated prayer like a vending machine. Let me see, God, what you have to offer. Let me think about all the things that you have to offer. Okay, let me see, how much money do I have? How many, how many prayers do I have here? Okay, how do I want to spend these prayers? Well, hmm, okay, I, I'd like a good job. Okay, God, I'd like a good job. So I put my money, okay, that's, what is that? That's A7, okay, I put that in. What do I got left here? I got some more change. I'd like... I don't really want to be lonely, so I'd like some relationships, some good friendships, or maybe a, a great marriage, okay, so I put my money in there, I pray about that, okay, that's, what is that, that's D1, okay, I got a few coins left here, I, I don't want to, I don't want to spend all of it, but I got a little bit left, I might need more of it later, but I do have that sick relative, I should probably pray about that, so that's, that's F9, and we, we put our money in, we say our prayers, okay, God, now I'm going to stand back and, and I'm going to wait for you to deliver on what I asked for. And it sounds kind of silly, but I think for a lot of us, this is how we treat prayer. Here's what God offers. Here are some of the things that, that I want. Let me go through this and, and pick out what I want. But is that what prayer is? Today I want to talk about this topic of prayer and so if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. You can turn it on, get it out. book of Ephesians is in the New Testament towards the end of your Bible. Last week we started a series called Why Church? This week we're going to look at this question of why do we pray? And just right from the beginning, let's be super honest about prayer. Prayer is weird, okay? If you pray, like... You're, we're weird. Okay, let's talk to a guy that we can't see, trust in a guy that we can't touch, and we're going to listen for a guy that we're never going to hear. Like, that's weird. And yet the Bible has so much to say about prayer. And so Ephesians 6, we're going to look at this a little bit backwards. We're going to get to the question of why do we pray, but I want to start with a little bit of how do we pray. Like, what are some of the things that we should be praying about? So, as the book of Ephesians ends, the Apostle Paul is talking about, he is telling us that we're in a spiritual battle. And we're going to hear that a lot today. And if we don't 
get that, if we don't realize that, I think the inevitable result is that we treat God like this cosmic vending machine. Paul says we are in a spiritual battle. Here's what he says about it. He says that our struggle, it's not against flesh and blood. It is against the rulers. It's against the authorities. It's against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. All right, I know this is a lot of like heavy spiritual stuff. Like it's a little early in the morning for this kind of stuff. Stick with me. We have to understand this. Unless we understand this, we're not going to get prayer. There is a spiritual battle that is going on. Sin, temptation, anxiety, fear, loneliness. They are creeping around. They are prowling around and they want to attack us. Evil wants at us. It wants at everything that is good. It wants to separate us, pull us away from God. And Paul says, whether you realize it or not, maybe you don't see it, maybe you don't feel it, you're in a spiritual battle. And so he writes this letter to this church in a city called Ephesus. And he ends the letter and he says, there's a spiritual battle Put on the full armor of God. He's saying that God, if we put on the armor of God, God will protect us through this battle. And then he says this, verse 18. He says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. The Apostle Paul is writing from prison. And what stands out to me is he says, hey, guys, I need, I need your prayers. But he doesn't say... Pray that I would be released. He doesn't say pray for my physical needs. He says he's calling us to pray in a way that is higher, to pray for something higher, to pray for something of more value. He says pray that the gospel would be made known. Meaning, pray that people who are far from God would hear about Jesus Christ. They would hear about the hope and the love of Christ and they would respond to that and they would choose to follow Christ. I mean, to me, that is a picture of a really mature Christ follower. And the way he prays, is that's inspiring to me. But there's a couple things that are in here that I think he tells us about how we pray. What should we be praying for? So write a couple things down. Look back at verse 18. A couple things that, that stand out to me. I would circle these in my Bible. He says a couple things about how we pray. First, he says, I can pray in the Spirit, and I can pray all the time. Circle the words in the Spirit, if you have your Bible in front of you. There's something about prayer that's a mystery, that I think this side of heaven, we're not going to totally understand it. We're not going to totally be able to explain it. But when we 
receive the forgiveness of Jesus for our sins, when we choose to follow Jesus Christ, God brings us in. He adopts us into his family. And the Bible says that when he does that, he puts his Holy Spirit inside of us to lead us. And so we pray through Christ in the Spirit. Okay, what does that mean, praying in the Spirit? Well, that's a a big conversation, but just the start of it, the start of praying in the Spirit is just to simply say that, truthfully, we don't really know what to pray. Like, have you ever felt that way? God, I don't even know what to pray. All I know is, God, I'm broken, and my heart hurts. And I have this need. God, I'm so tired. I'm so worn down that truthfully, I don't even know what to pray because I don't even know what I want the outcome to be. That's the beginning of praying in the Spirit. And did you know that's enough for God? When we say, God, I don't even know what to pray. God, all I know is I need you. That's the kind of prayer God takes. And he wants to work with that. Listen to what Romans 8 says. Verse 26 This is also Paul. He writes, we do not know what to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So Paul is just saying in our hearts, the beginning of this is just going, God, I don't even know what to pray. Help me know what to pray. And when we do that, the Spirit in the throne room, before the throne of God the Father, is translating everything that is in our heart. He's praying it for us to God. Incredible. The other part of this is that he says, again in verse 18, he says that we're to pray on all occasions. Circle that, on all all occasions. And you know what I think of? I think of text messaging. Because remember before we had text messaging, what you had to do? You had to get the phone, and you had to to dial the number. Well, first of all, you had to get out the phone book. I don't even know if we have those anymore. You had to dial the number, and then it would ring. You have to wait for it to ring, and you have to wait for somebody, hopefully somebody's home, to pick up on the other end. And when they do, then you talk on the phone, you have a conversation, you'd ask questions, and when you're done, what did you do? You, You hung up. But then, if you remembered, hey, I needed to talk about something else, What'd you have to do? You had to start all over again, right? Dial the number, wait for it to ring, have a conversation with them, and then again you'd hang up. And then text messaging came along. And we started to be able to have these conversations with people that we just have them all day long. We text something, and then we put it down, and we go back and do whatever we're doing, and then we pick it back up, and they answered you in the meantime, and you're still communicating, and it's just ongoing. And no one ever hangs up. It's just an ongoing conversation. That is the kind of communication that God wants to have with us, where no one ever hangs up. We just talk to him, and we listen, and we just interact with him all day long. And I think it's incredibly freeing for some of us. We need to hear that, because we go, oh, yeah, another sermon on prayer. I know. I'm supposed to get up at like 4 a.m. and pray till the sun comes up. And, so, and, and some of you, you do that. And that's incredible. If God has built that discipline into your life, that's inspiring. But the truth is, for the rest of us, we hear that, and we go, you know, honestly, that ain't going to happen. So we walk away from the conversation of prayer. We walk away ashamed, and we throw our hands up. 
And Paul goes, no, 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 let me give you this freedom. What God really wants is he wants to just have open communication, just an ongoing conversation. No hanging up. And you know, it's not even meant to be a transactional conversation. It's not just simply we ask and then he gives and, and that's it. That's the conversation. It's not a vending machine. You ever get something in a vending machine and you're just jonesing for it and it starts to put in your money and you push the button and it starts to come out and the little thing's cranking and here it comes and here it comes and then it gets stuck on that stupid packaging and you're like on the side and you're shaking the machine. Give me my peanut butter cups. God doesn't want to have a transaction with you. It's not you ask and he gives. He wants to have open communication with you. That's how he wants to talk to us. Where we don't hang up. Look at this other part. It says I can talk to God about anything. Circle the words all kinds of prayers and requests. I think sometimes we think, well, I don't know if God wants to hear about all the little stuff. He's kind of busy with like worldwide problems. God is our Father. He is our perfect Father. You know when my kids come home from school? I can't stand this. They come home from school and I go, how was your day? And they go, fine. I go, what did you learn at school? Nothing. <laughs> no, I want to hear about it. How much more does our perfect Heavenly Father want to hear about everything that is going on in our life? We can talk to Him about anything. And so this is sort of how Paul lays out for us how we pray. We talk to God in the Spirit. We can talk to Him all the time. We talk to Him about anything. Let's get back to the question, why do we pray? Jump over to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus is near the beginning of your Bible, almost all the way to the beginning. I love connecting New Testament and Old Testament. I love finding some teaching and finding a story that kind of roots out, illustrates what we're talking about. Here's a story I think shows us why we pray. Moses and the Israelites are about to be attacked. They're about to go into a battle. God's children, the nation of Israel, is entering this battle. Here's the story. It starts in verse 8. It says, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Throughout the Old Testament, Moses carries a staff. That staff is the instrument that God works through to work for his children, for the Israelites. And so Moses is saying, Joshua, get your army together. You're going to go fight this battle. That hill right there, I'm going to go up on that mountainside and I'm going to pray. While you're fighting, I'm going to be praying. Verse 10. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. As long as Moses was praying, God, we need you in this battle. We need you to fight this battle. The Israelites are winning. When he gets tired, when he gets lazy, when he thinks, ah, we got this. Looks like we're doing just fine on our own. And he puts his hands down, then the Amalekites start winning. Verse 12, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up 
one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Why do we pray? Well, first we pray because we're desperate. We pray because we are desperate. Paul says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. See, if your battle, if your great struggles in this life were just against the physical world, it'd be easy. You can go, okay, well, all right, I can whoop him and I can outsmart him and maybe I should run and hide from him, but we'll be okay and I can beat him. But it's not. Your battle is against sin and it's against temptation and it's against fear and it's against anger and against loneliness and it's against anxiety and when you put your hands down when you go you know what I got this I can handle this when you put your hands down and you try and do it on your own you will lose you cannot win that battle Moses and the Israelites are so desperate for God They take the two most important people. The nation of Israel is millions of people at this time. They take the two most important people. They don't hide them away in a bunker somewhere to keep them safe in case it goes wrong. They put them up on the mountainside to pray. Not to strategize about how to win the battle. To pray. Because if they don't pray, people are going to die. And they're going to lose this battle. I know we don't like to admit that we're weak. I know we hate saying that we need help. I don't want to say I'm desperate. None of us wants to. We need help. Sin and fear and anxiety are all around us. They want to attack us. They're coming for you. Keep being desperate. Keep being desperate and praying. God will keep winning battles. The second reason we pray, we pray because eternity is forever and prayer is our strongest weapon. And I think this is where we get sideways on prayer. This is where we get prayer wrong. Prayer is not a cosmic vending machine. It is a weapon designed for war. It's not just asking God for a better job or asking God for a nicer house. We we can ask for those things. Those are all legitimate things. And Paul says, you can ask for those things. But prayer is designed to be a weapon for fighting. And again, go back to Paul's requests. He's in jail. It's not pray for my safety. It's not pray that I would get out of here. It's not pray for justice. It's not even pray for my, my, again, my, my, my wellness, my physical being. And those are all valid things, but his prayer requests are all about Jesus. Pray that the gospel would be proclaimed that people who need hope in their life would hear about Jesus and they would respond. It's not for a new car. It's not for a new house. He doesn't ask for those things. It's pray. Pray that I would preach the gospel 
in the face of my enemies. Pray that somehow the people I hate, that I would love them for the sake of Christ. Pray that I, would en I could endure because this life is hard and it's wearing me down. Pray that I can keep going in Christ. Pray that I can keep showing people the hope and the love of Christ. Are your prayers like that? Mine aren't. But I want them to be. We pray because we need God in this world. We need his kingdom to come crashing into our world. Because eternity hangs in the balance. And it's a war. And the weapon that will win that war, that is designed for fighting that war, is prayer. I love this picture. I love Aaron and her holding up Moses' arms. Have you ever felt too tired to pray? God, I can't even, I can't even pray. I'm so done. I'm so broken. I can't even pray. We need people that will hold our arms up, that will pray with us, pray for us. It's why we want each one of us in a small group so that we have people who will pray with us. We have people who will hold our arms up in prayer. One of the things that, that we've realized here at Faith Church is that we have an incredible opportunity to grow a life of prayer in our church, to grow a life of prayer here in our, in our worship gatherings. And so one of the decisions that we've made is that we want to devote more time in our service to prayer, to corporate prayer, because we believe this is the prayer, this is the weapon that God has given us this prayer. And so over the next season, you're gonna see a you're gonna see a prayer focus in our gatherings. We're gonna pray corporately. We're gonna pray for things like our nation. We're gonna pray together for things like our community. We're gonna pray for our leaders. We're gonna pray for healing. We're gonna pray pray for, for wisdom. We're gonna pray for our global staff that is all over the world preaching the gospel. Because if prayer is our strongest weapon and there is incredible power when we pray as a church body, then we got to lean into that. we got to move in that direction in our, in our corporate gatherings, in our services, in our prayer and praise nights. We're going to pray together. And it's going to be so powerful and so God-honoring. Prayer is victory over the enemy. And it's not the words that we say. It's not if you get up and do it at five o'clock in the morning and you go in a prayer closet because this weapon is not about what we say and what we do. It's about who we're talking to. So no matter what is going on in your life, real stuff, heavy stuff, if you will just raise your arms, if you can just look up in prayer, then you've got a fighting chance because our weapon is stronger than our enemy. And when fear is knocking at your heart and temptation and sin are creeping all around you, if you will put your hands up, if you will use that weapon, God wins that battle a thousand out of a thousand times. Prayer is not some cosmic vending machine in the sky. It is a weapon designed for war. 
Are you using it? We have a God that wants to hear from us all the time and in all things. So I thought we'd end a little bit differently today. Instead of me just closing out in prayer, I thought we'd pray together. Jesus teaches us a prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And so I thought we would just pray it together. The words will be up on the screen. If you're in the chapel, please pray out loud with us. If you're joining us online as well, right where you are, let's pray together. Let's recite the Lord's Prayer out loud. Would you pray with me? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.